Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Welcome back. It's been a little minute. Well, welcome back to episode number 40 of the Common Sense Podcast. My name is Patrick. And my name's Antonia. And we're back up in this thing yet again. Yet again. Hey, girl, how are you? I'm tired. How are you? <laughs> Wired, okay? Clearly. Uh, <laughs> time difference is still a thing. Um, as... The school year winds down. Uh, I'm still in school, but um, I have one full week left in two days, even though there are no kids left. so Yeah, I don't understand why you're still there. Yeah, I don't either, but I'm not complaining. I'm doing a lot of like journaling, blogging, video, picture editing, thinking. Thinking? Um, <laughs> YouTube, like falling in YouTube rabbit holes, like everything, it's been crazy. I woke up this morning and was making my coffee and I was like, okay, today is Wednesday. What do you have to do today? Today is Wednesday. And I was talking to a friend and I, I just kept going on and on about Wednesday. And they were like, um, it, it's not Wednesday, Aunt Tania. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I have a summer job. And so I was like, okay, today's Wednesday. I don't have to go to it. And they were like, Right. It's it's Thursday. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's Thursday. Okay. Well, I'm summer going. life. <laughs> so it's been a long year, um, and I think what really makes this podcast special, I'll just keep repeating that, is that you know I don't know if it's for the first time, but for the first time to my knowledge, you know our listeners have followed two. Young black teachers and our real life experiences from the beginning of the school year all the way to the very end. I don't think there's anything out there like that. So that's very exciting on our part because now it's very exciting. <laughs> now that um, and so uh, now there's something that like if you know someone going into education and you want to give them like a true depiction of like what it could possibly be like or what it's been like for someone else you could be like hey go listen to their podcast because they actually record it throughout the school year and you can kind of even hear like the excite like the exciting points of the year like low points when things are kind of like just in the middle so it's it's a very accurate depiction and it's not all flowers and and sunshine like so often we try to present to people outside of education Right. And we've reached, you know, the end of the school year. And we've also reached the final episode of the year um, and the final episode ever, actually. We're not going to get into all that right now. But uh, before we do that, I think it will be really, really helpful for us and for our listeners just to kind of recap um, kind of what has happened over the year, what has happened over the last 30 days, because a lot has gone down in the last <laughs> 30 oh, yeah. days. 
for us. Um, the reason why we were absent for 30 days was because uh, we were going through it and we needed to get our lives together. Um, and we had to wrap up the school year. And everybody knows that the end of the school year is the busiest time um, or one of the busiest times of the year. Um, so I don't know if you want to go I first. I was going to say, and people I were playing games, first, but, but, you know. <laughs> we'll get into we'll, it. We'll get into all of that. Uh. Um, so this was my third year, right? Yes, my third year. Um, even though it feels like I've been in this a lot longer. <laughs> We've been in the game for you. Because I posted years. that picture on you Instagram with started. the lady I like interned with in high school, and I was like, "Wait a minute! Like that's why you think you're so old at like you've been in this so long." Um, but at the beginning of the year, I was going into my third year, the second year at my campus, and so I kind of knew what I was doing. Right, I knew the culture of the school. I had helped. Um, it was a brand new school, so I had help, helped open it. So I was excited to see what it would look like the second year, and. It was really interesting because there was a cultural shift, like a school culture shift from the first year to the second year, because I feel like first year, everyone was really, really excited to be there and felt really blessed to open a brand new school and was just in general excited and going out of their way to be kind and do whatever they could. But the second year, it felt like, OK, we're, we're just here now. And people were not taking that extra step to be kind and appreciative to one another or to just be willing to try new things, I guess, because you got in your groove that first year. And so now you know what you're doing. Um, So that was the main difference at the beginning of the year, right? So we go throughout the school year. um, There was a situation where I was very vocal about something that matters a lot to me. And I found out that um, even though you may identify with someone in lots of ways, they may still uphold... um, white middle-class norms. And that was very difficult for me to grapple with. Um, And then you pair that along with the fact that I was, you know, commuting anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes each day one way. Um, And so it really started to wear on me. Um, A lot of people I know Mm. don't live in cities as large as Houston. And so trying to understand what traffic is like in Houston may be a bit difficult. But for someone who, like, I enjoy reading, and I cannot do that while I'm driving, though I would lo- like, obviously, I would not love to do that. Like, I just can't do that. So there's nothing you can do while you're spending that time in the car driving. And people are like, oh, listen to a podcast. Listen to music. <laughs> OK, yes, I did that. But that gets old. You don't want to be in the car for over an hour every day. It's just wasted time. Yes. And it's gas. Um, and those I, I felt the wear and tear on my car. I just it got old. And so the commute started to affect me in other ways. Like I wasn't as, um, I wasn't as willing to stay for things, obviously, because if I stayed any longer past my contract time, that meant my evening commute was going to be double because I was going into town at rush hour. Um, if there was anything before school, I had to leave, you know, obviously even earlier, but when it's anywhere from 18 to 40 minutes, like that's just ridiculous. And then I started feeling like when there were accidents that people thought I wasn't being honest about there being traffic or an accident, right? Because when everyone on my team lives less than 10 minutes from the school and here I am coming from in town and I'm like, oh, there's an accident. Like why would, I mean, I've lied about traffic before in other situations, but I'm I'm 
trying to get to work. Like, I don't lie about traffic trying to get to school because that's just silly in my opinion. But if it's something else, like, sure, I'll lie and go get coffee instead. But I have kids waiting on me, so I'm not going to say, like, oh, there's an accident when there's not really an accident, right? And so I just felt there was a little, I don't know, people, there was Tension? tension from that. And it's just like, I'm sorry you choose to live three minutes from where you work. Like, I cannot relate. I don't enjoy the suburbs. Um, and so there was that. And I lo- like I love the school community I worked in. But at a certain point, you have to question whether or not, like, how far you're driving is worth it. Um, and so I had to make, like, a pros and cons list. And for me, it really came down to the fact that while I was making a little more in the district that I that I am now leaving, it wasn't enough to make up for the fact that I was spending that much time in my car and commuting that much. And that I didn't have um, union representation down there, which was another thing that really, really bothered me. And I was warned about that before I went down there from the district I was leaving. My union rep was, well, he, he told me, he was like, well, you know, there's not a local to go down there and like step in for you if you have a grievance or if something's not going like it should you would have to have like a state appointed affiliate come in if they could to handle something for you and I was like oh no 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 it's fine it's the suburbs like there'll be no problem but I had a few times where I I really wish that I could have called a union rep so basically I was hard-headed and I didn't listen to that and that's one of the reasons that I'm leaving the district um I also really learned that, and this is going to sound so awful, but Mm. it's difficult. Like, teaching is a difficult job. Come on. But it's a lot easier when almost all of your children come from homes where all their basic needs are met Um, Mm. and where parents have the resources to give the teacher what they need when they need it. Um, because districts are trash and don't give us the things that. Yes. Um, so yes. I, this year, you know, I did the no spend thing. Um, yeah. How did that go? I ended up only buying like those two or three books that I mentioned on the podcast. And that's okay. because mm, like one, mm, I choose mm. not to do things where I have to use lots of things that have to be purchased. And two, when I did run out of things, I knew that I had the safety net of asking parents to send in what I needed and that they would do it. Mm. Um, So that's why that was so easy for me. Next year, I'm hoping to do it again. We'll see if it's as easy or if it's a little more difficult. But next year, I'll also be able to use Donors Choose again. This year, I did not use Donors Choose because I found out that we had to ask our principal for approval. Um, and then if it got approved, it would have to go to the district warehouse first. It would get barcoded with the district's information, and then it would come to my school. And I didn't agree with that um, because if I'm working to get something funded for my classroom, I want to have it. I'm sorry, because most often, more often than not, rather, it's people I know funding that and I'm not leaving things to sit in a closet for y'all to not touch the next year. So I didn't do any donors choose projects this year because at the beginning of the year I asked to do one for guided reading and I was told no 
because we have money for that. Well, we didn't because we never got any more books, but we did get a new playground. Um. (laughs) Subtle. I just, things are really, really different in the suburbs. Um, I don't have a problem with parents having a say, but at times there were situations where it's like, why are y'all running the school? And why is no one telling you that we need this instead of this? Um, and that new play, that new playground, we couldn't even use it for kindergarten, but like there were things that we needed and we were told, no, don't ask them for it because they just bought this. Well, I mean, whatever. Um, like I said, I loved my school. I loved the children I worked with. I felt very blessed to work in a, a community where so many different languages were spoken um, and where families felt safe and secure enough to be completely open and honest with who they were and where they come from and sharing their culture with people and that it wasn't something that they felt like they needed to hide. Um, mm. But I have found a school a lot closer to home Um to the fact that if there was an evening event, I could go home and come back, which I could not do at my school this year. Um, And so I very rarely went to anything in the evening because of that. Um, I'm really excited. I'm going to be teaching kindergarten again. So yes, Yes. I know exactly what I'm getting into. Um, I'm very familiar with this school and feel very blessed that a position opened up at the, um, the last moment. I know I posted on Instagram that I was getting a little stressed because I didn't know if I'd be teaching kindergarten or where I'd be going. Um, but I will be teaching kindergarten. And it's really funny because I remember telling you like in February that I was packing up my room, like slowly taking things home. <laughs> slowly. One box, one book, I was, one supply I was taking at a time. Things I remember home that. And there was um, a teacher who caught me after school one day. She was like, where are you going? I was just like, oh, we're done with this stuff. We don't need it anymore. <laughs> I am an awful liar. And so for the rest of the year, yeah. she would like kind of like she was a friend, but she would kind of side eye me like, mm-hmm, done with this. I know what you're doing. And so at the end of the year, when my room was completely empty, and everyone whose room, everyone who were who was returning, their rooms were still kind of like up and their bulletin boards still had border and stuff. They would peek in my room and they're like, so what's going on with you? And I was just like, nothing. I just I just took everything down. Like I'm hoping to change rooms <laughs> so that I'm not in a classroom without a window anymore. And I kind of had to um I don't know how to exactly say it, but in Texas, if you resign, depending on your t- district, if you resign before the 45th day before school starts, then you're fine. So, like, when I was coming into this district, I did not resign from my last district until, like, mid-July. So, I technically signed two contracts. And I was attending trainings for the mm. other district um, because that's where I was going to be working. But I was also attending trainings from the old district because that's they had stuff I was interested in. Um, And I did not want like my pay impacted or my insurance affected. And so I stayed with them until the very last moment. And then I resigned. Um, So basically, I'm finding myself in that same situation again. And so it was really awkward when like I went to trainings early this summer and they were like, your room is empty. We didn't know if we would see you here. And I was just like, oh, I'm here. I'm teaching kindergarten. 
Um, so, I mean, eventually I, I've told a few that I found another place. Um, and for my kids, I felt very sad on the last day because obviously in kindergarten, there are lots of tears. And my kids from last year always came by in the morning and said like, hello, or came by and got snacks after school, whatever. And so a lot of the parents were coaching their children through that, their big emotions and saying, oh, you know, you can say, you can say good morning to Miss Adams next year. She'll be here. You can come see her. And like on the inside, I was cringing like, Mm-mm, I'm not going to be here. <laughs> but on the outside, I'm just like, it's okay. Like, it'll be fine. And so I'm doing um, a small get together with my families so that I can tell them on my own in ju- like later in the summer. Um, because another thing that I've learned in the suburbs is <laughs> people talk, people talk everywhere, but like people really talk in the suburbs yeah. and I don't know what the difference is. Um, and yeah. so I don't want to like post anything because, you know, screenshots and send and one thing that I've learned is you can say something and then you can just kind of play silly if someone who didn't need to know that information comes up to you and asks about it. Um, so I'm going to tell my parents and not like post it anywhere um, because that's not really anyone else's business. And I just want to make sure that like my families know like not to look for me. But if you want to still get in touch with me, here's how. Um I'm really sad to be leaving some of them because I really connected with a few of the families. Um, And I'm sad that I won't get to see those kids, you know, go up all the way to fifth grade. I was really hoping to do that, but maybe that'll happen at the next school. Um, We'll see. But I feel like my, my experiences in school so far. So this is, if I'm going into my fourth year, um, that will have been three schools. So my experience so far is that if you are not happy, you need to find a way to leave. And my first year, I had family saying, no, 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 you need to stay there for a few years. You need to do this and this and this. And one, I don't get paid enough to sit somewhere where I'm unhappy. And two, it plays out with the kids. I noticed it in my kids the second half of the year when I became very snippy, like in my personal life and like with things happening at work that it, the kids did it. And so I can't, like I had to constantly Mm. check myself. Like you don't need to release that energy to those, to these five-year-olds because it's not their problem. And I knew when I saw that happening with my class that like Artie, I knew I was leaving, but no, you really need to go because you are not happy here to the point where it's showing up in other ways. And so I, mm. I, I guess, like, people can say, oh, she leaves her school all the time. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Life is short. Teaching is hard. And you're still and early in go- your career. And I'm still early in my career. Like, I, I refuse to stay somewhere where I don't feel like I'm growing, somewhere where I am unhappy. There's no reason to be unhappy at 7, 10 in the morning. Disrespect. That you have to, that you have to, yes. Undervalued. So no. Yeah. Um, if you, (laughs) if you are like on the fence saying, oh, I don't know if I want to return or I don't know if I want to leave my district or how do I leave my district? You just need to do it. Mm. Like they're just apply. I I feel like I've gotten messages about like, how do you leave or how do you do this or how do you do that? Like Mm. the first step is to like, 
so often we hold ourselves back. Yep. Like it, it, it's not hard. Just type in your information and send it out into the world, right? That's the first step. It'll be okay. Um, a couple questions. Um, what is the difference in demographic be, be between your school that, that you're leaving now? You talked about how much you valued the diversity in your current classroom. How does that compare with the district that you're going to or the school that you're going to? And did that at all play a difference or um, have a factor in um, where you decided to go? So it's pretty similar, which is another reason I feel really blessed to have found a position where I did. Um, and because Houston is such a international city, I feel like anywhere in the heart of Houston, I'm going to find that. Um, I It may be like a little, I may have a few more white kids if that might be the only difference. It's fine. This year I had... I think maybe eight or nine Asian students, like five white children, five black children. Um, my numbers are off, but it was really it was really diverse. Um, and then where I'm going now, I think it just the school might have a higher population of white students, but it's still a nice balance. Um, it's considered. Well, there are so many magnets in the area. Houston is a is a mess with trying to get your child to go to school. I just recently found out that you can be zoned to a school and not even get in. Oh wow. Um so that's been interesting as I've been like reading and finding out how children end up at the schools that they end up in Houston. Um so yeah. It's it's still extremely diverse, um, which is another reason that I wanted to be at this school. Um, so I feel like I'm talking in circles, but do you yeah. feel like you changed <laughs> as a person from the beginning of the year to the end? I mean, because you know you've had to persevere a lot this year. Some things you said on this podcast, some things you did not, and you know, perseverance breeds growth. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just wondering, like, how do you think you've like changed or grown, like, either personally or professionally, um, this year that you will, like carry with you? And I know I sound a lot. You know, like Oprah, but you know, like, you do. but like, but you know, these are the questions that the folks want to know. I feel like I'm a lot more patient. I finally learned how to smile at someone lying oh my in my face. Me too. Me too. <laughs> that was a really hard lesson to me because I'm a very, very honest person, and I just want people to say what mm. they mean. But I've learned how to smile when someone's lying, and just nodding and then going back and getting what you said in writing um, <laughs> I also have a, a low like I'm I'm very confident in that I know what to teach in kindergarten and that I know where children mm. are um which is another reason that some things were probably said um but I I will not do what I don't think what's best for children. And I don't care if you don't like that because it's not about you. It's about what's best for kids. Um, so, yeah, it re it helped me to weed out schools when I was applying yeah. places. Yeah. Because like I shared on Instagram, I had that very I had a set list of things that I wanted 
And I felt very confident. I know that I know that in some places teaching positions are hard to get. Um, but I, I don't think that's a reality where I am. And I felt that I had the privilege and um, there's another word I'm looking for. Basically, I was not going to take something I didn't want. I have two degrees in education. And while I'm not a veteran teacher, I like I've been at this for a few years and I'm I refuse to put myself in a position where the coaches don't know what they're doing, where the admin only taught two years. Um, So I was very, very picky. And I there were several times when I went to job fairs. And I would walk up to the table and there was, there were two, I remember, I asked them about reading mastery and cause they were predominantly black schools and there's a tendency in Houston, if it's a predominantly black school that they're going to use reading mastery, which is a, uh. it's not supposed to be whole group, um, but it's like used here as a whole group instructional tool. And so I would say, oh, like, what do you use for, what's your reading curriculum? And they would say reading mastery. And I would just, oh, okay, no, thank you. Nice talking with you. Um, and there was one lady who looked at me like, and she blinked, like it was a visible confusion. I was like, I'm not interested in using reading mastery. Um, and then there was another school where I asked <laughs> about reading curriculum and she goes, Oh, we do guided reading. Da, 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 da. And you like, as you talk to people and get a sense of places, you know, who's obviously who's lying. Right. And so I said, mm-hmm. well, I know that like y'all were ranked, whatever it was, and that you're trying to get out of the improvement required. What are y'all doing for intervention? And she goes, oh, we use reading mastery. And I was like, oh, so who who does that with these ch- with the children? Oh, the teacher. Okay, no, thank you. Like, I, I know it's not something I agree with. I know you'll probably write me up for not using it. So I'm not even going to waste your time. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not interested in your school. Making sure that your values um, are aligned. Right. Um, you you just have to know what those are. And I found a place where I'm confident that I'll be able to continue to grow and continue to do its best for children. Um, and we have a lot more outdoor space where I'm going. So I'm really, really, really excited. Amen. Well, I'm yeah. so happy. And I have a window. Hey, okay. <laughs> Y'all, I taught for two years in a classroom without a window. It's the little thing. It was awful. It's the little thing. It was awful. That's part of why I started looking. Remember, like, at, like <laughs> I know. I was fed up because at the beginning of the year, no one on my team was leaving, um, and I I could not do a third year in a room without a window. That might seem small to y'all, but I love the sun, and I could not see the sun, and it was hard. So, yeah. Any other? No, I think that's it. I'm just very proud of you, and I'm so happy for you. And I know that, you know, next year is going to be even better. Um, And I am just hoping and praying that, you know, it's not as crazy as the third year (laughs) or the fourth year. You know, I think if anything, I'm hoping it's better, right? But if anything does happen, I have, you have to remember, like, what you prayed for. And I remember talking to you about this at one point, like while I was going to work one day and I was like, how do you know that what you prayed for is not it anymore? Mm. And 
I think just because like I was raised in a Christian household, like I've never taken the time to consider that like when your prayers are answered at a certain point, like it's time to move on. Right. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't hold on to something just because like for me and because I believe this, you don't hold on to something just because God allowed that to, to happen for you and made that possible. Sometimes you do have to let go of it because maybe you're holding on and God is trying to do something else in your life, but you're still holding on to this because it was an answered prayer from the past. I feel like I'm, I've never really preached before. All but right, so like girl. letting go, <laughs> letting go of something that was like given to you so that you can continue to grow in other ways. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Aw. And I'll try to remember that when I get angry about something. When you call me next year, you're like, yes. I'm, I'm like, prayers, prayers. <laughs> prayers, prayers. And you need to remind me yeah. that I don't have a commute anymore. Because yeah, like, that's what I'm most excited about. Like, I feel like I could deal with a lot more next year knowing I'm not driving as much as I was last year. Like, you have to put things in perspective. Like, for me, it'll be, okay, maybe you do have to stay late for this meeting. But you know what? You'll still be home earlier than you were home last year if you would have had a meeting on this day. Mm. So, awesome. yeah. Yeah. Well. You have a lot to share. Do I? I don't know if I have a lot to share. I do know that I've had a hell of a year. Um, Maybe that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I started off this year thrilled because I was going back to the same school for a second year in a row. Um, and similar to you, I was on my third, no, that was my, yeah, that was my third school. And I was going to my third school, my fourth year of teaching. I was like, I am in a dream. You know, I'm teaching all black boys. I'm in a school that gives me an crazy amount of autonomy. I'm really invested in the mission of this school. I'm invested in the community that I serve. I'm invested in my, in my boys. And I'm not going to lie, like, I came off of, like, a kick-ass year of teaching. My third year was my best year. Like, I was I was really, like, killing it that year, you know? Shade room aside, like, I was, like, in the classroom. Like, even my results were, like, popping. And I still have students who call me to this day and was like, yo, I've, I, I really miss your class. I felt prepared to go to middle school. You know, like, I still get those messages, right? And, you know, so I was excited when I went back. Obviously, things were not as easy as it seemed because we got a new principal that year. Um, who, uh, I'll leave it there. Um, we got a new principal that year who ended up firing me because she, I'll leave it there. She ended up firing me um, in October. Childish. <laughs> and so, um and it was really, really tough because I was trying to figure out what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Am I going to go back to Detroit? Am I going to stay in D.C.? Am I going to go someplace else? And I was interviewing all over the place. I had a offer in, you know, in D.C. I had an offer in Detroit. I had an offer in Philly. And then I had this offer in Qatar. Um, as everybody knows. <laughs> so Cause where are you now? Because I'm in Qatar. So um I ended up accepting this offer because I was like, why not take the risk and go? 
right? Like I already knew that the school, any school that's hiring mid-year, you should raise your eyebrow at, you know? So I raised my mm, eyebrow, but yeah. I went because I was like, I'm going a, I'm, I'm to a take a risk. I'm a risk taker. Um, they said that, that, that the teacher who was there ended up getting fired. The class was extremely challenging. And I still took my black ass over here. And I was really, really excited um, to turn it all around. That's why I came around. And I was talking to a mentor of mine and she was like, do you think that you like, I think I want you to investigate like how you choose schools. And I was like, I think I want to investigate that as well. Me too. <laughs> because <clears throat> I had some really great schools that called me, um, but I chose a, the most difficult the 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 and and the riskiest, you know what I'm saying? Like, I could have went to Philly, which was a, in in a, an incredible school. But the thing is, like, I also didn't have enough financial capital to like move yeah, to another to make city. That move. And like, like you know, I was a teacher in DC who moved to DC when I was 22 and fresh into my queerness. You know what I'm saying? So if you know anything about DC, you ain't got no money, do you? You know why? Uh, you know, I, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know what brunch was until I got That's to DC at the age of 22. It's, it's a whole different lifestyle switch coming from like a young kid in Michigan, first generation college student. And like, like being first generation is, is, is great, but it's also lonely because, you know, as much as your parents want to say that they want to help you and that they want to parent you, they really don't understand what it's like. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that narrative has really followed me over here um, in Qatar. So when I got here, um, it was not like I thought that it was. It was a lot harder than I imagined. I walked in. I arrived to Qatar on January 4th, and I was teaching on January 5th. I don't mean, like, orientation. I don't mean, like... Anything. I mean, I walked in the building on January 5th. They showed me where my classroom was and they said, good luck. Here are your kids. Yes. And all 32 showed up. So, um, and I had just come from teaching a class of 10, right? So I had 32 kids who, 30, 32 ESL learners from a variety of, um, of Arabic speaking countries in the Middle East and Northern Africa. Um, and it was like, what's up, Drake? You know what I'm saying? When they first saw me, what's up, my nigga? When they first saw me. And I was just like completely like traumatized on top yeah. of just like, there were no lesson plans left. There were no, um, uh, no real like plan. Like I knew that they left, whoever left and how they left it was chaos, you know, and I knew that I was entering chaos. And and the reason why I came over here was not just because that, but I, I there was also a girl who is the instructional coach who's from Detroit as well. Um, so I was like, okay, it's a Detroit sister over there. So if she can do it, I can do it. So I went over there with the best of intentions. Um, and when I tell you everything, girl, everything that we like have talked about on this show as like being a headache was in place. I mean, a textbook education. I mean, no books in the classroom. I mean, lack of resources in the richest country in the world. I mean, um, 
just like no systems or structures in place. Um, it's just like, it's like, yo, you're here, like do your magic. And I was, I spent a lot of time fighting battles with kids, fighting battles with administration, and then fighting battles with myself. I'll start with the kids. We did not get along. No, I'll say the kids for last, but I'll say that we did not get along. Um, and that sounds very petty to say, but we it was literally such a negative space because I was bringing my own perceptions of like what I thought the teacher that they needed me to be into that classroom. And they were mm-hmm. trying to tell me, yo, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't need all of that. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of that came with a lot of structure as well, right? It's like kids who, then here comes this kid or this guy who like, you know, is trying to lay all this structure down on us, trying to give us consequences and all that stuff. It's like, we don't even know you kind of thing, right? And I was trying to build relationships with them, but I didn't feel like they were really responding, you know? I tried to do a couple of things. I tried to like talk to them like, yo, what's up? I tried to like break away from the curriculum and like read some modern literature that didn't really work well because the reading levels were pretty low. Um, I tried to talk to them about just like pop culture and stuff, but it ended up turning into like racial um, yeah, comments that I made me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and there was just a lot of like egregious defiance that I was just not used to. You know what I'm saying? And then I also felt insecure because um, everybody in the class spoke Arabic except yeah. for me. So in a sense, I felt really insecure. And they let it be known that we don't really need English. I mean, we're going to learn it, but we don't really, like, you know, need it. You know what I'm saying? We 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 live in Qatar. And it's not all of them, but the, the most vocal ones. Um, we're like, we, you know, we live in Qatar. We good. Like, we speak Arabic. My family speaks Arabic. Our money is here. What's good, right? Um, and same for you. Like, all of, you know, my kids' physical needs were met. Um, and then some, you know, they had drivers and things like that. And um, it was just was a lot of things happening. I was, you know, going back and forth with the administration in terms of, like, lack of support. I'm I'm not just a teacher. I'm a British teacher now. I'm teaching the British curriculum. The British curriculum, yeah. Which I can't tell you I understand to this day. Um, and so, in a sense, I'm, like, trying to find my footing. There was a leadership change. There was team changes. There were students um, had left my class to go to another class because they, they felt it was out of control. Like, I really felt like I was losing, like, myself. Um on top of like being a black gay man in the Middle East. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And nobody really seems to like totally fully understand that. And and it's not to say that Qatar is like like the gay police are sitting outside of the, you know, sitting on the, the corner, police. you know, trying to figure out who's gay and who's not and going to take you to jail, but it's a very conservative country, right? And so nobody yeah. gay or straight is um uh you know, shows affection or um, like there's not a space, you know, for that. 
but there but when you add the like the gay part on top of it or the queer part on top of it that's most certainly not encouraged or not welcome i tested my boundaries here and there but i was always like very um cautious and i don't want to live like that yeah you know what i'm saying i was uh, really surprised that you ended up agreeing to go because mm-hmm. of that yeah um i was really thinking financial um like having a tax free salary has really helped me when i came over to guitar in january my account and i'm, I'm probably TMI, but my account was negative $1,000, right? Mm -hmm. In the checkings, because I had not been paid and my bills were still auto withdrawing and I forgot to take them off. Um, And the stress of it all, right? That's a different lifestyle. Yeah. I would like, I, I mean, aside from the negative thing, but like, I, I will never put anything on auto pay because I'm, I'm, I'm very like, what if you take my money two times and then I ain't got money to eat? Like, I guess it's also like, Oh, I would say, like, or there's a um, there's like a fee that you didn't know, and that was more than what you had. Child is crazy. I just like growing up poor. Like I have this insecurity about money still, even though like all my needs are met, and I'm just like I don't even want to risk like someone taking extra money because like I need that extra money, which kind of ties into that first gen thing you were talking about. Like no one prepares us for like the class difference or the jump right. that we make, right? Like being able to go out and afford to spend, afford in print in quotations forty dollars, fifty dollars on brunch. Like when yeah, in the back of your head, like that was groceries. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's crazy. I'm sorry to sidebar, but no, that's fine. Um, so I can probably say that I've been able to pay off two credit cards. Um, I am ahead on my bills. I was able to travel to two countries, um, in my third month. And I'm eating good. So when I go back to the U.S., I am going to be very financially equipped to, um, you know, make my next moves. Um, I will also say one thing I also struggle with is just like community, right? Like in order to like live abroad and enjoy it, you need a community of people to like go through this experience with you because folks at home and I love my folks at home. Like y'all have held me down. My best friends, Antonia, my family, like y'all have really like y'all have kept in touch with me. Y'all have checked on me. Y'all have listened to me cry. Y'all have listened to me yell. Y'all have listened to me. And I appreciate that. Um, But you need a community here to like support you. You know what I'm saying? Um, And I'm so grateful to have friends here who are, I won't say that I have like my own group, but I will say that like I'm able to like that I have people that I can call and say, you know, yo, what we doing? Or, hey, can I come out with you? Or, hey, do you want to go out? Yeah. Um, None of those people are black Americans, um, black American men, black American gay men. Um, most of the people that I call on besides my, um, my, my friend from Detroit are primarily from South Africa or other African countries. Um, and I love hanging out with them, but there's also like a difference in experience that can sometimes be a little bit frustrating. Yeah. Um, 
being around people who are different from you all the time is exhausting. <laughs> um, and sometimes you just want to be around your own folks. Uh, that's the one thing. But even with the Black American folks that I hung out with, like there was still a difference between me and them there because they, they had been living out abroad for like a couple years now, right? And I'm sorry, but if you were not there during the election of Donald Trump, you have not lived in Trump's America, you really don't quite understand what my experience is like. Yeah. And, and, you know, so there's a there's a difference there. So there are so many times where I just felt like alone and my job was shitty and I just was just like very, very frustrated. And my mom was just like, come home. So, uh, you know, I tried to escape to Los Angeles in January, but then I decided to stay. <laughs> I decided to stay. Um, then, uh, well, I'll wait till you get to it. But there was another one that you, I thought you were not going to. Yep. There was a time when I went to New York. So this is when things started to turn around for me. Um, I will say like around like April, after I came back from Thailand, I just kind of came back like, okay, I'm going to try to do this thing. I'm going to do the best that I can. Um, and that's when we had like Pia teacher, we had like, you know, other things where I was just was trying to like build the relationships with those kids by any means necessary and do the best that I could. Like I tried to stop fighting so many battles yeah. and I just try to like be myself, you know? And that's one of the main takeaways that I've had. But when I went to New York, um, for the schools to learn conference with teach for, teach for America, um, that's when everything really changed for me. Um, I knew that it would change for me because it, it was my first time back in the U.S. after being abroad for five months. Um, and I was so grateful for that experience because I got a chance to get reconnected with my purpose. Like, we don't, I, I don't just teach for, like, financial benefit. You know, like, the, a lot of decisions that I make are based on a spiritual calling. You know what I'm saying? Like, just... I, it's like I don't apply to jobs. I I like to feel called to them, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like when I feel called to a job, that's how I'll take it. And so when I went to Teach for America, um, to schools to learn conference, we got a chance to spend two and a half days at a school in the Bronx and um, learn from their teachers and their students. Um, and it was so authentic, and it was so refreshing to be around some black kids. Um, when I saw like baby hairs and afros, I was just like really, really like so just like thrilled. Um You're making me think and- of I'm sorry. You're making me think of like when I went to um when I went to India and like coming back to the US and there's that James yeah. Baldwin quote about like how he loves America more than any country in the world and because of that he reserves the right to criticize her perpetually. And it's just like being mm. away and you know, you starting to miss home and miss being around black people and being a part of a black community. It, I guess it's kind of part yeah. of that. Like, yes, you're outside of the U S and like, we talk trash about the U S but like yeah. your people are <laughs> here, your people are here. Right. And like, because of that, like it, it almost hurts to say like, I love America, but I love America because like that is where my people are. Right. And so you reserve that yes. right to make those criticisms and to compare experiences and to still come home at the end of the day. Yep. And I would definitely say that I have a stronger American identity after living abroad, which is so awkward to say, but it is true. Um, So when I, you know, we spent time in New York and I, you know, got a chance to connect with people. I saw my best friend. 
Um, I got a chance to get some drinks. You know what I'm saying? Got a chance to go out. Got a chance to see some other friends of mine. Like, went to the club. It was great. And my main takeaway from there was just like, boy, you teach for a purpose. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you need to remember that. So when I came back to Qatar, I I had that in the back of my mind. And I said, I need to figure out what the hell I'm doing and like make some decisions here, right? I, this is not a religious podcast, but I did start like getting back into my meditation. Amen. Um, I started I started praying some more as well. So I said double duty. And I was just like really trying to just like focus on like me and you know and I stopped picking so many battles with my kids and things you know started um working out I stopped picking so many battles with my administration and just started doing what I needed to do because in my mind I was like it this ain't long term for me and w- going back to the schools that, that that I choose I have to stop picking schools that are dysfunctional if I'm going to truly be the educator that I want to be, because I I told you in what March April I said I think I'm gonna take a break from teaching. Um, and when I got back, I was like, no, like I am a teacher, like that is a part of who I am, and I'm not done yet, and I'm not gonna let external things that I cannot control dictate who I am and dictate what I'm doing. Amen. So I need to um, figure that out, and so. Shoot, I started <laughs> doing, you know, coming to work, leaving on time, not stressing. I started going out more. Um, I started being very intentional with my kids, like just like having straight up conversations. It it was just, you know, I started to just like appreciate Qatar for what it had given me, you know, yeah. and what it was doing for me because I wasn't appreciating the experience that I was having. You know, like I'm living across the world that is something like to say, you know? And like, that is an experience that is like beyond different that people will never understand. Some people understand. never have to, yeah. No, to be a teacher in his fourth year, teaching mid-year, black, queer, in a conservative country in the Middle East, and it's 113 degrees right now. I am so sorry to hear that. Okay. I'm melting right I, now. I love the sun, but this is not the same sun. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's not. I don't even remember seeing a cloud. I don't remember the last time I saw a cloud. I'm so sorry. I'm, 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 <laughs> I don't ever see It's 100 degrees at 5 in the morning. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Ramadan was uh, last month. Obviously, it's my first time even knowing what Ramadan was. Um, but it's a spiritual, you know, holy month. And my kids, you know, definitely wanted me to embody that spirit or or em- embody the 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 feelings that Ramadan brings to the country. And um, which is I really took that seriously. And I just, you know, it's like, OK, I need to figure out what it is that I'm doing, what's going on. And so I, I, I enrolled in therapy <laughs> Um and I just started to really process my emotions. And I can say, like, I definitely feel much happier about coming out here now. Um, and I don't regret it. And I can definitely say me, me and my kids have a much stronger relationship. Um, I did give them a survey 
at the end of the year um, to ask them, I was, you know. I was so nervous when I saw you were going to do that. I was like, yeah, no, Patrick, I, no. I give it to my students <laughs> every year. And um, I let my friend from Detroit facilitate that experience so I could step out the room and they can really be honest. And she said, ooh, they really took that survey seriously. And I was like, oh, God. Um, And when I read them, I immediately broke down and started crying Um, because um, all of them, 100% of them said that they know that I care about them. And that was one thing that I was like, these kids don't care about me. There's a difference. There's a barrier. They don't want a teacher like me. They don't want a relationship like, like, you know, like this, like, you know. And and those those were things that I built up and and then I treated them as such, you know? So I was just like, the fact that they knew that I cared about them, they gave me some feedback. They said, I talk too fast. And sometimes they couldn't understand what I was saying. And then they would act out because they just simply didn't know what was going on. And I gave consequences without truly figuring out what the issue was yeah like just that just that clear to me and i was like that's real like i accept that but like the like they all they they said that i I taught them courage i taught them to speak up for themselves i taught them to to perseverance which is something i try to teach every single year right like they got it you know, and I told myself that they didn't get it and, and that they weren't going to get it. And so the fact that they did get it, I just was like, Patrick, you got to stop being so hard on yourself and you got to stop being so hard on everybody else. You know, choose your battles. You know what I'm saying? And breathe. Children always give us the grace that we don't deserve, right? That that we don't deserve and that we don't give ourselves. And that we don't give ourselves. And um, it shows up every so, single year. Every year. And it's happened a couple times this, this year. But normally it had followed up with some more chaos. So I had kind of let it go. Um, but this was like, now I have like evidence on paper in their writing. And I just, uh, then we had a promotion ceremony. You know, I got some really nice gifts. I got a lot of roses, which I was so happy about. (laughs) And it was just great. The magic question is like, okay, well, the year turned out not as bad as you thought. You learned a lot. You came mid-year. So what you doing? You You have a community of people here that you can dance with in the club and that you can talk to and that who understand you. Um, it's not perfect, but you feel good. So what you going to do? You going to stay or you leaving? You stay or you leaving? And, and, and I thought about that. Um, and the truth is, I don't know. Um, I have interviewed with other opportunities, um, back at home. And obviously I still have the contract here. Um, and I, I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. And whatever decision I make will be very like in last minute, probably in the next week or two or so. But um, there's a part of me that is super optimistic about what next year could look like. There's a part of me that says you've had a lot of experiences. You have learned a lot. You are a much stronger person. You're a better teacher. It's time to return home for your fifth year. 
And the fifth year is the craziest year because 50% of fifty percent of teachers leave yep. within those first five, right? Um, so how wonderful would it be to go back full circle? But it's like, damn, you're 26. You're not done yet. It's so hard to realize that we're so young. And I think it's because, yeah. like, I talk to a lot of older educators constantly. And so it's like you're comparing yourself, not even intentionally, but like unconsciously you're comparing yourself to their experiences and like how long they've been places and, and things that they've been able to establish because they've been in places for so long. But like you don't know what their first few years were like. No, and, nope, we don't, which I, is funny that you say that. It, it's <laughs> yeah. crazy because like now we see everyone's professional milestone as it's happening, while it's happening, and after like that mo- that position has gone on right and so like it's easier to compare yourself to to someone who's like moving up or moving schools or moving into another role but like in the Mm -hmm. past I guess we maybe not maybe wouldn't have seen that because social media wasn't so you know prevalent but now it's easier to to take that upon yourself and be like dang like this teacher has stayed at their school all four years of their career and I've been to three schools but you don't know if that teacher's been miserable all four years. Right, right. We do, we don't know. Um, and I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> but what I do know is that I feel good. I can breathe. Yes, I'm hot, but I'm not uncomfortable. So the my body has adapted to the heat. My skin is flawless. I haven't had a pimple in six months. Um, I have eaten clean and healthy. I only eat bananas and grapes from India. I can say say that um, I have a deep love for my kids who came and visited me today when they were already graduated and done. And that was great. Um, I can say that I have a deep appreciation for the culture in Qatar. Um, And I can say that my career is just beginning no matter what I decide to do. Um, So. It's been a hell of a year, but also, I don't know if I told you this, but one of my students from this past October, who I had this year, sent me a message on Instagram and said, hey, this is your fifth grade student. Like, I hope you're doing well. Where are you living? And that, like, made me really, really happy because he said, you're a student. Yeah. And I only had him for six weeks. So the fact that he still sees himself as, like, that's like I'm a part of him. Like that was like, okay, I made an impact there. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, like you said, it very much spoke to me that sometimes we get blessings, sometimes we get inklings from a universe that are supposed to happen for a period of time so that you can do something else, so that you can go bigger um, or go home, right? And so um, I'm excited to figure that out trust me i know this podcast will air before i actually make a decision when i make a decision y'all will know and it'll be in a very dramatic format so um, of course because folks have really been rocking with me you know folks have been rocking with me and holding me down this whole year like at ncte when you know valves give me all those interviews like you know you've been listening to me complain every single day uh my best friends have my parents have like random people have my Qatar folks have you know like when I make a decision y'all will know um but what I do know is that 
I'm stronger. Oh my god. I'm wiser. That's a song, but I don't know what song it is. You know what I can't help but thinking? Since you've been in Qatar and like now you're used to the heat, you have no excuse not to come to Houston in the summertime. That's true. I'm about to also be wearing a freaking winter coat at 70 degrees. I have not seen 70 (laughs) degrees. They're gonna be like, why you got on a damn coat? It's 80. (laughs) I'm like, I have not seen 80 in a while. (sighs) But yeah, girl, so We've been talking for a while. We're going to take a break and then we're going to come back, answer your questions and wrap up our podcast. So so stay tuned and we'll be back. Yeah. Hey, y'all. So we want to thank everyone who has supported us and bought merchandise. We've seen y'all in y'all shirts with your mugs and we really want to thank you. We're leaving the store up for a little while longer. If you want another chance or you didn't have the chance previously to purchase your mug or your shirt or your tote bag, the store is still up um, on Teespring. You can just search Common Sense Podcast or you can go to our website at commonsensepod.com and click store and it'll take you right to our merchandise. You have till July 31st. Thank you all for listening. Yeah. And we're back. We pulled a few of your um, questions from the inbox and we'll answer those. I feel so sad not saying like send your questions and comments to our email address, but we'll answer these last few ones um, and then we'll get on with the show. Okay, so this question is from Liz M. Liz says, hey guys, how do you deal with sharing your work with coworkers? I am a black, non-Hispanic, high school Spanish teacher, and the majority of my coworkers are white. I work very hard at being updated on the research surrounding second language learning so that I can best support my students. After being acknowledged by my observing admin, I've been asked to help my department rise to the occasion. However, what after... What often happens is that these same coworkers constantly ask to share, ask me to share my work and are sometimes praised as if it is their own. They don't give credit where credit is due. Girl. Sometimes I feel as if I don't want to give my work away. Is this something I should get over? What does she mean work? Like worksheets or like lesson plans or unit plans or like articles? What, what do you think she means? Maybe a combination of both. Hmm. Because if she's researching things, she's probably creating some stuff, too. Based on her research. Yeah. And they're like, oh, look at... That looks good. Alex. He did that when it was really Liz. Mm-hmm. So what do you mm. think? So I often have a... Like, I often go rogue a lot <laughs> in school. In my, uh, in my school because I like to work on an island sometimes. I like to collaborate too, but I like to spend most of my time on an island. Um, I think uh, it's not that I don't like sharing my work. It's that I don't like sharing it and then like seeing people like not do it correctly or like not put as much like emphasis. It's not the work that's the issue. It's like the effort that I'm putting behind the work that is really making the, the difference which I think is sort of the same case for Liz. It's like, yes, she's doing all this work because she has a deep commitment to her students. You know what I'm saying? And I can just make the assumption that her coworkers might not have that same drive that she has. And and I know what it means to be that team member who, who overdoes it. 
you know. But if they're not giving her the credit that they that she so rightfully deserves, and they're not treating her with no respect, then they they they, they need to figure it out on their own. I don't share files unless I plan with you. So plan if someone. With- yeah. Yeah. If someone asks me, and it's very different in kindergarten, right? But if someone sees something that I'm doing, I will give them a copy, but I won't share the file because I don't know what happens to the file. Um, and I, I do that because my first year I created something to use in my classroom and I shared it with my literacy coach and <laughs> I gave her the file and yeah. I saw this woman share it as if it were hers and it pissed me off um and so now I don't do that anymore because unless I'm planning with you like I said um I mean unless it's something I don't really care about and it's like some standard template for something then I'll like freely share that but if it's something I really worked really hard on for my kids and you did not plan with me to use this in your classroom I'm not sending you the file I'll just give you a hard copy because chances are you're gonna lose the hard copy um, and you can't edit the hard copy and, and like change it and say that it's yours. Um, and then with the hard copy, I can easily say, Oh, I created that. Like that's mine. And it's, it, it gets kind mm. of petty to be like, I did that. It's mine. Da, 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 da. Right. But we want, I feel like because we create things like you, you want people to know that you have great ideas and there's no, I don't have an issue with that. Like if I created something and you liked it and uh-huh. I just, I feel like you should know that I did that. That was my brain power. Like, yeah. because if you did something you would like that you're proud of, you want to share that. I was listening to hidden brain this week and they were talking about how we have a greater connection to things that we, that we build and that we put together because it shows that we're competent. And uh-huh. so for us to create something that we are very proud about um, and to see it like handed off as someone else's work, it kind of digs into that, our personal belief of like how competent we are because we're seeing someone else get credit for it, I guess. And so I will freely share things. Like I've never told anyone, no, I don't want to share that because that's just kind of childish. But depending on who you are, I may not send you the file (laughs) and I may (laughs) just give you a hard copy. Um, and I have no problem if I see my stuff being passed off as someone else's saying, no, that's mine. I yep. shared that with them. This and you just year, have to speak up about it. This year, I've seen a lot of like the like the danger of like handing over things. Right. And just like seeing it fall to pieces because they either didn't have the background knowledge that came with researching. And then it's like, oh, well, this was Patrick's planning or this is what Patrick said. But it's just like, you know, taking it back to old school common sense. We're more than we're more than worksheet makers. You know what I'm saying? And it's like we are the brains and the people like behind it that makes all the difference. And so they should know that there is a website where they can get worksheets and bundles and PowerPoints from other teachers and not have to credit them with a damn thing. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that they should try to figure that out. But if you don't feel comfortable sharing your work, don't. 
The only thing where I kind of feel a little bit antsy is depending on your population of kids. It's just like we want all kids. It could affect the kids. Yeah, we want all kids to succeed. And I used to hate when kids walk past my classroom who weren't in my classroom. It's like, dang, his classroom looked fun. Or like, wow, they're really doing something in there, right? And um, like I I see that. But talk your shit and do your shit and move forward. I should not be cursed. I'm really showing out on this last episode. I am so sorry. I'm going to be I'm going to bleep those. You wow. are showing out. When you said like alluded to the website where you can download worksheets, it made me think of um the training I was in this week and the lady was like all she said all these things on Pinterest and the other website those do not meet our standards. Like you could not download <laughs> uh, that stuff. Oh. And it won't ma- so so the standards in Texas changed this year. Okay. Or rather they changed last year. They were approved last year and they're going into effect this year. Okay. And the curriculum in this specific district is very, very, very weak. Okay. And because they think that they are better than everyone else, they lie, essentially. But uh, maybe not lie, but like they tell their truth, which is not actually true. Okay. Um, they tell their truth about the materials that they offer teachers. And they she she goes Anything on Pinterest and this other website that you find, it's not aligned to our standards. It doesn't match our curriculum and you may not use it, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like rolling laughing on the inside because you don't give your teachers anything. And like not to say that you can't get ideas from Pinterest or this other website, but the fact that you think that your cur- <laughs> I'm going to have to show it to you. But the fact that you think like your curriculum is enough to tell teachers do not look at any other source other than this basil that we're giving you <laughs> like had me about to fall out so i like i really was cuz i've been in two districts and to hear like one district say this is more than enough so, and like compare it with my previous experience i'm just like girl if you don't be quiet and go sit down somewhere yeah someone said you know teaching is an art and a science actually my homegirl here in in qatar said that Teaching is an art and a science, um, and so the art is like some is 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 a creativity piece that yeah. that we don't want to lose out on. That's what makes teaching fun and worth it. Um, so you meet the art with the science; they're both needed. Yeah the the creativity part is like that's why I don't understand why people download worksheets <laughs> because like you're taking the thinking out of your job. Mm. Well, so I just, I mean, but we've talked in circles about that. So now is not the time. If you're curious, you can go listen to previous episodes. Yep. Our next question comes from Devante Thompson. They say, hi, guys. I hope this meets you well. I wanted to know if you could elaborate more on the effects that social sexual orientation has in the classroom. I listened to your Rainbow Fish episode and loved it, but I still wonder what effect do you guys see that sexual orientation has in the classroom? Mm, that's a broad one. It doesn't really have an effect on the classroom, I would say. I think that there people try to avoid like topics that touch on sexual orientation. They obviously don't want it mentioned, but it is a part of mainstream society and there are more opportunities now for kids to engage with um their parents on 
things that they see that are a little bit more common, a.k.a. Arthur. Shout out to Mr. Ratburn. He got married. I was going to bring up Arthur, too. People who are not straight are often left out of that discussion. Shout out to my heroes, like Bayard Rustin. You know, I often think about him and how he was, like, left out of the discussion for, like, the civil rights movement and things like that. Um, It's hard to answer the question because... It doesn't have a daily effect on the classroom until it comes up. And then it has like a huge impact if you have not really built the capacity in your classroom for your kids to see um, or to empathize with things that are different from them and to feel safe when they find things that they identify with. I guess because I teach kindergarten, a lot of what I'm trying to do throughout the year is just promote an acceptance of everyone um, and everyone's experiences. And so, like, when we talk about families, like, being sure to show children, like, obviously you start with their families, right, so that they can feel affirmed in the families that they are a part of, but showing children that there are all different types of families and some families have parents that are of the same gender or parents that maybe do not align to like um what word am I looking for traditional um traditional um gender roles I, I norms um it's not like at least in my experience I I like you said I don't think it's so much that it has like an effect on the classroom but like making sure that you have created an environment where children feel safe having conversations about that and feel safe sharing their experiences or feel safe um, like sharing stories that they know that they've, yep. that they have. Um, it was a really broad question. I was going to bring up Mr. The Rapper in episode two, because I didn't even know that the episode was out there until in- I was on Instagram and people were like freaking out about it, both in good and bad ways. But I showed it to my kids one day while we were packing up. Like, I usually put on a show, like, at the end of the day because it took us so long to pack <laughs> up this year. And that was the only way I could get my we were kids, a lot up. like, to pack up. And, like, and we, <laughs> shush. <laughs> um, and so I, I put on, like, usually it's, like, something from PBS and we'll have time to, like, watch, like, one of the episodes. And I put on Arthur and I was really confused that people were so upset because the Mr. Ratburn episode was like half of the episode. You know how Arthur is cut up into two short segments? And so here I was this whole time thinking that the episode was like the full 25, 30 minutes. And not to say that because it was less time that like it's less reason to be angry about it. But like people were really angry about like a little car- <laughs> a, a little cartoon show. And I put it on and my kids watched it. No one said a thing about anything. And like we left and I was just when I opened Instagram again and saw people still talking about it, I was like, my kids mm. were like completely fine. And so I don't know why y'all are <laughs> making this a big, huge deal. Why it got turned out, like cut off of the TV um, or like not aired, I guess. But you just have to make sure that you are creating an environment where all kids feel included and like all experiences and narratives are accepted. Right. I think that's the most important thing um, because the last thing you want is for a child to feel like you don't support their family or believe that their family is just as valid as anyone else's family. 
um, or that their experiences, and I keep saying Mm -hmm. family because in kindergarten, at least in my experience, I, I have not had a child that feels that they identify another way, but in family is like how we talk in kindergarten, but you just want to ensure mm-hmm. that you're validating that child, right? Whatever the situation is, whatever their experience is. So I will say that um in Qatar they being, you know, being gay is illegal here. Um and so um we have been told to, you know, stay away from that in our classroom and any other like political things. And so I think when schools make um, those type of decisions, it's extremely harmful um, and uh, very discriminatory. And while we're also think- thinking about the kids, we should also think about those teachers who don't identify as um, as straight as well, right? And we need to figure out how to make them safe um, throughout the school year. Kalas. Okay. That means class, right? No, that means to finish. Or close. To finish, I'm so oh okay, okay. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Get your air big up, girl. Oh. Get your air big up. Shush. Okay, sorry. Um, I did have one more thing I wanted to share. Yeah. Um, I, I know I talked a lot about Montessori on the podcast. Um, and I did interview with a school. Um. Montessori school and had the opportunity to receive training, but I chose to go with a traditional public school. Wow. (laughs) And I'm sure a lot of you are like, (laughs) what? what?" Yes. Antonia. Um, I have very strong opinions about lots of things, but if I'm going to do another training, I want it to be I don't, I, and I hate to say true Montessori training because so there's like two large organizations that offer the training. Um, but I do not want a training I feel is impacted in any sort of way because I'm a public school teacher. And mm, okay. with the rise of public with the rise of public Montessoris yes. and teachers who are not familiar with the Montessori method, yep. um, some training centers have had to, do things to appease public school teachers who are just checking the box and don't really believe in the method. Mm. Um, And there were just a few concerns that I had and I did not want to go through a training where I felt like it would be like watered down or impacted and not the true um, training that I am looking forward to getting. Um, So I am going to wait for another opportunity. (laughs) Um, And I am hope like, I'm positive that something will come along. It may not be, you know, next year or the year after, but it's something that I definitely want to do, but I, I want to do it on my terms and be able to do the full training in my own time, in my own space, and not feel rushed to go through it because I am trying to use it the following school year. Um, so that I, I guess I say that to say that you have to – here I go preaching again. Um, I really learned this year you have to speak things into existence. Yes. Um, and you have to believe that you are capable of getting what you want and the roles that you want. Um, I'm very pessimistic when I apply to things. And I often don't believe that, you know, same here. I am. Same here. We're the same in that. Capable of getting the positions I apply to, even though, like, 
in all other areas of my life, I am very confident. Um, and so I, it's like a, it's good and it's bad because I don't walk in like feeling overconfident and like, oh, I got this and you need to just go ahead and hand me my job. But it's also like, it keeps me humble, but I guess I do need to have more confidence in myself. Um, but just if you have something that you want, or is there, if there's a school position that you want, believe in yourself and go after it. Like, because the only thing that's stopping you right now, at least, is probably your beliefs about your capability for the job. Um, so just like, yes. try. <laughs> I submitted an application to a really cool opportunity. And um, they gave you a, a very strict deadline of like when you would be notified, you know, if you made it. And with the time difference here, I'm always on edge. And so I submitted my application. They were going to send out phone interview. Um, no, 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 wow. They were going to send out phone interview notifications. And I stayed up all night long um, waiting to get the phone um, interview notification. And by like 11 o'clock U.S. time, I was just like, I even I just broke down and started crying. I remember I texted Antonia and was like, I didn't get it. I have to stay in Qatar. And um, literally 20 minutes later, I got an email saying, so sorry, this is coming out late. We're trying to get you to a phone interview. So I was just like, you know, I just we so ready to break down, you know, because there's so much doubt. And when I had the phone interview, I, st- I didn't I, I didn't feel confident about that. Antonia, she got me together via text. But, you know, like. I have practice to practice. Um, being like, OK, I'm, I'm not going to stress about it. I want it. And there's some anxiety there. I acknowledge that. But I'm going to use that to, like, kill this interview and secure the bag. I remember you like texting me all upset and I had just, I think I had literally gotten out of my interview and had been offered the job for the the Montessori. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this, I, I can't tell him this right now because he's over like, here freaking out. <laughs> a phone interview. I was so. When we talked, like, I guess a little bit before this, I was like, did I tell you I even got that? Cause I couldn't remember. Cause I remember being so like, like Girl. obviously I was not going to come with good news when you were stressed. But yeah, you were, you were, yeah. I was hella Not stressed. together. I was literally sobbing with my best friend on the phone. Like, they don't want me. What's wrong with me? You know, like, so I. We're so hard on ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves. And we're so consumed with like our work and our job that it's like becomes like such a big part of who we are. Like, that's what teaching is like. Um, and I was just like, damn, Patrick, I remember you're more than that too. Like you're more than a teacher. You are so many other things and working over here where like the workload of a teacher is not the same as it is in the U S. Um, like, you know, I've had to really like think about that. So yes, that's a, that's so many preachable moments. This episode. I love it. I want to thank everyone for sending in your questions over the last 40 episodes. Um, Thank you for trusting us or even caring enough to like ask for, damn it. I'm doing it again. Even caring enough. Yeah. Thank you for sending in your questions. I really appreciate it. We appreciate it. Um, 
you know, we appreciate that y'all like want our like opinions and we hope we've been helpful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if anything else, we've definitely, you know, have put your questions out there um, to uh, to the rest of the world and given us something to think about and all of our listeners as well. So thank you so much for sending in your questions to www.commonsensepod.com. And thank you for sending them to commonsensepod at gmail.com. And thank you for sending them to our DMs, even though we didn't tell you to send them there, <laughs> but you did anyway. Thank you. And so with that, we are nearing the end of the podcast um and i know people are wondering like okay well if you're not gonna do the podcast then like what are you gonna do um and i think that this podcast has given us a lot of confidence to do other things that we're passionate about that have like stem from the podcast that have stemmed from like the support of the podcast um so we're both venturing off into some exciting things um do you want to share what you're doing sure um so i guess there's two things um and i know i mentioned one of them before but i've started a book club in the houston area um Yes. (laughs) yes um if you identify as a black woman, then you are more than welcome to message me and ask for details. Um, and it it is very specific in the fact that that is something that I wanted. I wanted to talk about books with young black women, and so it's it's kind of like uh, Toni Morrison, right? If you if the book you want to read is not there, go write it. Well, I don't want to write books yet. But I wanted to talk about books and there was no book club yet. Um, So I went and created one um, with a very close friend of mine. So if you, again, identify as a black woman in the Houston area, feel free to message me and I can send you details about the book club. Um, I also am going to be posting a lot more on my book account. um, And that's at Black Girl That Reads. I recently partnered with um, Random House Publishing. Yes! Let's go. Yes, I'm super excited about that. But um, to do some reviews on forthcoming books that they have. Um, So look for that. Um, I typically I'm trying to post like once a day. Like that is my goal. Um, Because I just I love talking about books. Like I love teaching, but I I love talking (laughs) about books. Even more. Even more. um, To be truthful. Um, And that is like my favorite thing. So if you are looking for book suggestions, like please hop in my DMs and Period. ask and and tell me what you're looking for. And I can guarantee you that I will likely find you a book. Um, I am very proud of the fact that I have gotten like, I think around five people who didn't identify themselves as readers this year to start reading again. Um, that's very hard for adults to get back into. So like I said, reading is my thing. Books is my thing. Um, so follow me at Black Girl That Reads. And yeah, what about you? And she's opening up a she's opening up a bookstore. One day, one day soon. <laughs> it, it will happen. Um, there Amen. are actual plans slowly happening for that. So oh, yeah, speak it into existence. Why do you tell me that? Because it's, shush, what's happening with you? 
It's not coming oh. anytime. It's not coming anytime soon. Still, but like, though, you have you started the wheels turning. A, you start turning little, the wheels a little. Whoa, girl, you work. I, I can't wait books. to buy pens from there and books. Oh my goodness, pens. pens anyway, anyway, um, I am excited to announce unofficially, but officially now, I guess I am a business owner. I've had a lot of time to think um, in my loneliness <laughs> over here. And um, uh, one thing I thought a lot about is this podcast, right? We've, you know, garnered nearly 70,000 listens. And I don't know if you know this, but, you know, in the beginning of the podcast, we talked a lot about um, issues in education, right? But what made our podcast stand out was the fact that people cared about our experience as educators and there were a lot of non-educators who were now talking about education issues because of the work that we've done on this podcast. Um, and so that got me to thinking, is there a company out there that is like producing media content that is explicitly um, geared towards education? And I did my research and I saw like Chalkbeat and like other like political sites, unions, but nothing that like it's like fresh and innovative and so i have uh already gone through like the the LLC process and i now own a media company wow <laughs> to go. I, I own a media company it's called good trouble media and i am going to read the mission statement what's good <clears throat> Okay. <laughs> okay. Good Trouble Media is on a mission to make equitable schooling and high quality education an international priority by telling the authentic stories of people behind and within global education systems. We hope to provide a engaging um, or we hope to provide engaging digital content to help all people commit to and grapple with improving our education system. Um, our company is producing a, a original and compelling web series, podcasts, blogs across all digital platforms. So, look at you! I am thrilled. I'm also thrilled. Um, there are about eight different shows that are on my like to do list, and that's a lot. Um, and I've learned a lot, you know, editing and producing this podcast. That I think I can take over the world now. So there's not an official announcement yet, but there will be soon. I'm getting the logo made by our boy, you know. Oh, same uh, guy? Yeah, same guy. Same so guy. he's good. so good and loyal and so reasonably priced. So amen. Um, but if you listen to Common Sense Podcast, you heard it on Common Sense Podcast first. Already got the LOC and a trademark. What's good? I'm so done. Okay. <laughs> but honestly, this is just the beginning for us. You know, this podcast is not going anywhere. It'll be available on your streaming platforms. Um, I just want to thank everybody from the bottom of my little heart for listening. Like, I don't know, like, I did not expect this podcast to really... Don't make me cry. No, I'm not. But, you know, like, I didn't, I didn't expect this podcast to, you know, do reach as far as it reached. You know, like, we celebrated yeah. 500 listens. You know what I'm saying? 
And now we're we celebrating did. nearly 70,000 listens um, of 40 episodes. Like, there are some podcasts that have been doing that for years. Um, we have, we're featured in the top 100 Apple education podcasts a, a few times. So we have been featured in um, the Black History Month uh spotlight for apple podcasts right like and that's with no social media no social media we didn't have no marketing we yeah no we, marketing yeah. we got less than five thousand well i got less than five thousand followers like we we you know did the best that we could um but y'all really like took this like way farther than you know what ever yeah. expected but I think like the best part about it all is that like I have gained like such a really amazing, extraordinary, like close friend that I would not have made, you know, if it was not for this podcast. You know, we were talking shit in the DMs, you know, for uh, <laughs> about y'all crazy <laughs> selves and education. Um, but like, you know, through working on this project, like, you know, Anthony, I I, you know, really look so highly of you and like, you know, we've gonna make I'm, not, cry. I'm not, but you know, like we've supported each other, not just through like this year, but like, you know, through personal things and like stuff like that. And like, we talk a lot, you know, and like, I don't think that people really know that like, we, we don't just get together and like do the, like, yeah, like we're <laughs> friends. She let me sleep on her couch. Like, like, I really appreciate that, you know? Um, and you know, this podcast have just like really cemented that for, for life, you know? So like, even though we're not doing the podcast anymore, like we're still Antony and Patrick, you know? Someone on Twitter, I think it was yesterday. They started this thing like Twitter friends because... Or there was, like, hashtag Twitter friends. Um, because, like, you know, growing up for us, it was, like, don't talk to people on the internet. Like, you don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't talk to people. You don't know what they are, who they are. Um, and so it's still, there's still kind of that, like, skepticism about, like, making friends on the internet. But, like, you've said, like, you've become, like, one of my very close friends. I talk to you. I talk to Patrick, like, almost every day. Um, yep. <laughs> so, um. I don't know, like the podcast, I think definitely brought us a lot closer. Like we did talk a lot before, but like not to the extent that we were talking every day and that I knew like personal stuff and I knew stories and could keep up with things. But (laughs) (laughs) She knows stories, okay? She knows. Well, she knows me. (laughs) So I like, I'm very grateful that we had the opportunity to do this. And like, I feel like I learned a lot about myself and I like, I mean, obviously I learned a lot about you, but. having the ability to like talk to someone about education like that shares a similar viewpoint and was kind of going through like a similar not necessarily a similar struggle but that was also kind of struggling yeah it, it, it was nice because social media will lead you to believe that everything is flowers and sunshine and I get that people don't post things for the security of their jobs right and that's fine like whatever but it's very um it's very dishonest to paint a picture that it's always like that. It's always sunshine and flowers. And I think it's also probably why we're in the situation that a lot of us are in now where like it's frowned upon for teachers to speak about the poor conditions we work in. 
because we've never been honest about what the situations are or it, those stories have never been amplified, right? Um, right. And that people and so, are con- get consequences for, for, for speaking that and they get re- rewarded for painting themselves in like a perfect light. Yeah. Um, I, I really hope that listeners like recommend it to teachers starting out um, mm. because it paints, it paints a really real picture um, of what it's like in the classroom, um, the highs and the lows. And I bet you could even, if we went back to the podcast, I bet we could even pinpoint times of year, right? That it's difficult for teachers, um, which would be really interesting. I, I just, somebody, I learned so Somebody in their like university needs to like in their teacher prep program needs to call us so that, you, you know, we could talk about like this work. Sorry, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> Put us in your syllabus. Uh, <laughs> um, I just, I like I said, I'm just very grateful. I met some amazing educators as a result of the podcast. True. I made connections that I never would have imagined um, I would make. And opportunities have become available because of our podcast. Yes. Um, teaching can be so isolating. But I guess like when you put yourself out there and you 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 allow yourself to be vulnerable and honest about your experiences, like the universe rewards you in so many other ways. Mm. Um, so thank you for doing this podcast so, with me and I'm trying not to cry. Yeah, it's okay. We <laughs> made it. You're so amazing. and so sweet. And like we made it through another year. Yeah. Like both of us. We did. We may not have made $6 million off of worksheets. No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but we definitely made it through. Um, and so again, we just want to thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, and we are obviously still online, so we can't wait to see what you think about this episode. Um, and look out for Antonia's book club. If you're a black woman, um, look out for her bookstore, uh, cause it's coming. I cannot wait. Oh, I'm so glad you put that in the atmosphere because... I was <laughs> now I've people so are gonna hold you accountable. It, but like now it, they are, which is why I said something about it. Period. Um so yeah, I guess this is it. I'm like tearing up. I'm so <laughs> emotional. I cry at everything. So before we go, we are going to end our show with one last quote. You got us? Yes. So Our very last quote comes from Marion Wright Edelman, who was the founder of the Children's Defense Fund. And if you don't know what that is, please take the time to look that up. Um, She's an amazing woman. The organization does a lot of amazing work. Um, But Marion says, we must not, in trying to think about how we can make a big difference, ignore the small daily differences we can make, which over time add up to big differences that we often cannot foresee. Mm. Mm. I feel like that's the perfect ending for the podcast. That's the perfect ending. And we will leave you with that. Thank you guys so much for listening. We love you and we will see you out in the world. Yeah. I can do anything.
Thank you so much for listening to the Common Sense Podcast. Subscribe at our website at www.commonsensepod.com and receive the episode a day early. You can also subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We love seeing your reviews um, and reading them, and it helps spread the message to other educators each time a review is posted. Yes, and we'll see you next time. 